In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you to our family conversation. In our Perseverance class, I'm your host, Father Ed Broom, OMV, Oblate of the Virgin Mary. And as always, it's great to be with all of you. We got our website up and running today, thanks be to God. Sometimes we have technical problems, but thanks to your prayers and and goodwill, we have our website up and running as normal. So, let's uh, start off our conversation by... Let's start our conversation by begging Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, we cry out to Mary. Mary is our life, our sweetness, and our hope. She's our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Let's turn to Mary and beg Mary for her abundant blessings. As we say the prayer, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now I'd like to invite our spiritual director to be with us. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many titles. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is also known as the as our interior master. Holy Spirit is also known as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as our counselor. He's also known as our consoler. Holy Spirit is in the words of St. Paul. He's our interior master or teacher. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, which means daddy or father. So let's uh, 
let's beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light. In our intellect and let a fire in our will. As we pray. To the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful. And enkindle within us. The fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful, by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, (coughs) pray for us. St. Anthony of Padua, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. Saint Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. How true it is, my friends, the family that prays together stays together. How true that is. And a world at prayer is a world at peace. So as always, I promise to pray for all of you. So a world at prayer is a world at peace. So I'm going to be placing all of you on the altar in the greatest of all prayers. That prayer is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Now I'd like to offer these specific intentions. My first intention I'd like to pray for all of us that we will be open to the open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we would pray this prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Through the heart of Mary. 
Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come through the heart of Mary. My next intention, I'd like to pray for our families. For the conversion of our families to the love of Christ. Second, I'd like to pray for our sanctification. That we would grow in grace. And as Jesus grew in wisdom, knowledge, and grace before God and men, that we would grow in friendship with Christ all the days of our lives. I'd like to pray for the salvation of our family members. Because Jesus says very clearly, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul in the process? And then I'd like to pray, as always, For those who are dying, we really don't know when God is going to call us from this life to the next to be judged. We all one day will be judged as soon as we die. We go before the judgment seat of Christ who comes to judge the living and the dead. So let's pray for all those who will be dying today for their salvation. That they would open up their hearts to God and that they would be saved. Now I'd like to also ask all of you to pray for the young people. Today we'll have the second session of our summer program for the young people. Last week we had a big number that showed up with a lot of enthusiasm, (coughs) inviting them to spend a few minutes reading a chapter from my book, From Humdrum to Holy. Pray that they would come back and even bring a friend. And this course I'm doing to to fill in some of their free time with with God's space, to give them God. Never in the history of the world have we gone through a more difficult time, especially for children and teenagers. So I will try to bend over backwards to try to help them as best I can. But I'd like to ask for your prayers. Yesterday I started my consecration program to Mary through the message of Fatima and with the people and facilitated, we had close to 300 people, so it was a good start. We're, de- we're dealing with big numbers of people, so I'd like to ask for your prayers that these people would would recognize that true happiness, true happiness can only come from God. So, ask for your prayers and for the intercession of St. John Bosco, St. Philip Neri, St. Joseph Calasans. Those are the three saints that have 
special charism with young people. I'd like to thank you also for your support that you people in the Perseverance family give me a lot of support and encouragement and best I can do is just pray for you, especially in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which I do every day. So today we have a lot to cover. And especially three basic themes that we'll be working on today. And it will be I'll be working on these three basic themes. The saint that we celebrate today. Today we celebrate one of the most loved saints in in the whole world. And it's a spiritual son of the great Saint Francis. Today, my friends, we celebrate the great Saint Anthony. Saint Anthony of Padua. We celebrate the great Saint Anthony of Padua today. So I'd like to give you some an overview on this great saint. Then we have, once again, we're reading the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, where St. Paul says that Jesus was not yes and no, but yes has always been in him. That's the basic theme of the first reading. Jesus is not yes, no, he's always been a yes. Pointing to the constancy of Christ. Christ is, he's the rock foundation. <coughs> he's the rock foundation. And he's not sand. Then we have the responsorial psalm. Psalm 119. And that is, Lord... Lord, let your face shine on me. Lord, let your face shine on me. And every time we look at the Blessed Sacrament, we have the face of Jesus that is looking at us with love. Lord, let your face shine on me. The Gospel today, Jesus gives us two similes or metaphors. In Jesus, <coughs> we we are in the Sermon on the Mount, as we mentioned yesterday. Yesterday we started the Sermon on the Mount with Matthew chapter 5 which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And we started yesterday with the, with the eight Beatitudes. And I spent most of the time just explaining one of the Beatitudes, if you remember, 
that was blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They gave examples of those who really lived that out. Mother Teresa Calcutta, St. Joseph Cotaleno, and basically the saints, they, they live out that. And really it means nothing attached to material things, but having our hearts set on God. So today Jesus says that we are called to be the salt of the earth and we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be salt and light. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to start off our conversation in giving you already a panoramic vision of where we're heading. I'd like to talk about, <coughs> start by talking about St. Anthony of Padua. St. Anthony of Padua. St. Anthony of Padua is one of the most loved saints in the Catholic Church. So, <clears throat> let's get to know this saint. He was born in the year 1195. He died in the year 1231. So St. Anthony only lived to be 36 years of age. That points out to us that it's not important living a long life, but it is very important living a holy life. I repeat, it's not important living a long life, but it is important living a holy life. We meditate on principle and foundation. St. Ignatius says we shouldn't choose a long life over a short life, health over sickness, riches over poverty, honors over humiliations. But choose what is most conducive to the end for which we are created. And that is the honor and glory of God and our salvation the honor and glory of God, and our eternal salvation. So, the word, St. Anthony Pada was born in 1195, died 1231. He was baptized with the name Fernando. Now, many people are surprised, but Anthony of Padua was not born in Italy. But he was born near Lisbon, Portugal. That's right, many people think that St. Anthony was, uh, was Italian, but he was actually, actually born in, in Portugal, where a lady Fatima appeared to the children years later. And he felt called, <coughs> even while young, to follow God. So Anthony entered into the Augustinians. 
into the order of the Augustinians. But something happened that would change his life. And he had contact with the Franciscans. And what happened was there were, there were Franciscans that went to Morocco to convert the Muslims. And three of the bodies of those Franciscans, they were martyred. And they were they were sent back to they were sent back to Portugal. So Anthony was so impressed by the courage, the zeal, the love of these Franciscan missionaries to even give their lives for Christ to be martyred for the truth. Then Anthony decided to become a Franciscan. So he left Augustinians to become a Franciscan brother and then eventually a priest. Anthony, he actually wanted to travel then to Morocco where he would be martyred. So he wanted to die the same way that these Franciscan martyrs died. But he goes there (coughs) to Morocco and his health was not that robust. (coughs) So he got sickly. So he was on the ship heading back to his country and what happened was, see how God works. Nothing happens by chance. There was a storm on the sea. And that forced Anthony and the ship to land in Sicily, in Italy. So, Anthony disembarks. And he goes to a sea sea where there was a general meeting of the Franciscans. And I think most of the biographers of St. Francis, or St. Anthony, would say that he actually met St. Francis of Assisi when he was older and, uh, and, and weak. Francis is only going to be living into his into his 40s. Both both of them died relatively young. <clears throat> and then uh, Anthony lives a very humble life, the beginning of his religious life. He spends long hours in prayer. He practices penance. And he carries out the very simple menial tasks in the monastery. Cleaning and sweeping and probably cooking, uh, attending the the guests. Very simple, humble uh, acts of obedience to his superiors. Now, something something else is going to happen that will change his life. 
because Anthony, he did spend time in prayer, but also he spent time in reading and meditating upon the Word of God. And sometimes you'll see a statue of him with the child Jesus and you'll have the Bible open. St. Anthony of Padua, had a, he had a photographic memory. So he read sacred scripture and he memorized it. So for a while he just lived a very simple life. He was kind of small and chubby and really not very appealing in his appearance, just kind of normal. But something would happen that would change his life. And it was this. That there was an ordination There was an ordination ceremony for Franciscan priests. We're going to have two deacons ordained, one in about five days, another one in about five weeks. And what happens is, during the ordination ceremony, Anthony was present there, The priest that was supposed to preach the homily, the priest that was supposed to preach the homily, the homily, the homily, at The ordination mass, he didn't show up. So there was no one really prepared to preach the ordination homily. Guess what happened? Father Superior looked at Anthony and asked Anthony to preach the homily for the ordination mass. And of course, Anthony was not expecting that. But he was asked to preach and he obeyed. And St. Anthony gave such a brilliant, moving, inspired, anointed homily <coughs> that his brother Franciscans were impressed that he had this Great gift. The gift of being a great preacher. And I think that this is very much related to the gospel today. Jesus said you're called to be the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're not called to hide our light underneath a bushel basket. But rather, these are the words of Jesus. Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. 
It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. That refers to Anthony. Up to that point, his light was hidden. God allowed his light to be hidden. Now, due to this providential accident, due to this providential accident, Anthony preaches and he and he moves all the people by his eloquence and his unction as a preacher. So as a result of that, Anthony will be set aside to become one of the Franciscans as well as the world's greatest preachers. And there are so many stories, so many stories in the life of St. Anthony. So many stories in the life of St. Anthony. So his name, Anthony, means the defender of the truth. The defender of the truth. So he was also at the end, he's given the name as the evangelical doctor because of his great love for the gospel. Like many saints, St. Benedict, St. Catherine of Siena, he had very strong temptations against the virtue of chastity. But through prayer and penance, through prayer and penance and devotion to Mary, he was able to conquer his passions. I think that's an important point for us as well as our young people. Either we conquer our passions Either we conquer our passions, the flesh, or our passions will conquer us and we become slaves to our passions. How many people today are slaves of their own passions? It's either conquering our passions and experience the freedom of the sons and daughters of God, Or our passions conquer us and we become slaves to our passions. So I'd like to tell you, <coughs> um, give, give you an overview of the life and teaching and preaching of St. Anthony of Padua.
as always, in the history of the church, as always in the history of the church, there are heresies. When I say heresies, I mean there's false teaching. That has always been the case in the history of the church. <clears throat> For a few centuries, it were, they were called the Christological heresies. Arianism, Nestorianism were two of the prominent prominent heresies in the beginning of the church. During the time of St. Anthony, you had two basic heresies. They're called the Albigensians. Then you had the Catharos. It's interesting that St. Anthony is living at the time of St. Francis, but also who's living at the same time is St. Dominic. It's very interesting that in the early 1200s, and the 1200s as a whole, there's a whole host of saints that are living at the same time. And I'll give you the list of the saints. And they had to fight against the Albigensian heresy <coughs> and a certain amount of laxness within the church. So Dominic forms the Dominicans. Who's living at the time of Dominic? St. Albert the Great. St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Raymond of Penafort. Now, St. Francis founds the Franciscans, and who is there? St. Anthony of Padua. St. Bonaventure. St. Clare. So you've got a, a host of these great saints to stem the tide of these many errors. And we're living in difficult times also. So I hope and pray that you people and our perseverance family, that you'll become great saints. That's my prayer. I'm not going to say the Latter-day Saints because those are the Mormons. No, not that. But you would become great saints. <clears throat> you would become great saints. You'd become great saints. That's right. So going back to Anthony, he was such a powerful preacher that when they knew that he was going to come, the church would be jam-packed. And he attracted so many people that he'd even go outside in the public plaza to preach. He had a strong voice that would carry, so he'd be able to preach to hundreds, if not more, at a time. And one of his basic themes that he would preach to the people as well as other preachers 
is the following. This is one of his basic messages that we read in the Liturgy of the Hours. Is he says that we have to put into practice what we preach. Vatican II, Vatican II, God in its best, says that one of the biggest scandals of our world is the dichotomy between what we say with our lips and what we don't live out with our lives. So we have to pray that we become authentic. We become authentic. We become authentic. We become like Coca-Cola, the real thing. That we... Not only we talk, but we walk the talk and talk the walk. We become authentic. So he hammered out against what is called hypocrisy. So he went. He's going to be going from town to town, preaching and attracting many, many people. And as a result of that, many conversions. Because the saints are followers of Christ and they want what Christ wants. They want the conversion of sinners and the salvation of souls. So, I'd like to tell you then couple of stories in the life of St. Anthony. The first story I'd like to tell you is a story that I used actually on Sunday in my Spanish Mass at 10 o'clock. I'd like to just recount that because I think it's very opportune, this story. St. Anthony was preaching in a town called Rimini in Italy. And there in that town were a group of Jewish people. And I think that they're pretty well off and, and pretty well educated. They were Jewish people. One of them had heard, one of them had heard that the Catholics believe that the Catholics believe that in their Mass, 
When the priest lifts up the host, lifts up the bread, the host, that that host, which is composed of wheat, it is bread, that that's really turned into the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Jesus Christ. So he heard this. And this Jewish man said that that was ridiculous. That to a priest, that to the priest, by the words that Jesus professed, they repeat those same words. We call that the consecration. That the bread turned into the body, the blood, the soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. We also call that transubstantiation. So this uh, Jewish man made a deal with St. Anthony. He said, I can't believe that. Rather, St. Anthony made a deal with him. Bread turning into God himself, that's, that's ridiculous. So they made a deal. And the deal was the following. That they would get a mule or a donkey and for three days that that donkey would be fasting, have nothing to eat or drink for three long days. Then they would bring the mule in the presence of a, a luscious big pile of hay on one side. Then on the other side, then on the other side, there would be the Blessed Sacrament. And the deal was this. If the mule after fasting three days, would go to the pile of hay and start to eat. Don't forget he's fasting for three days. Then Anthony would be the servant of this Jew for a certain period of time. But on the contrary, if the mule, instead of going to the hay, would show some manifestation of belief in the host, the host, then 
the Jewish person would have to be converted. So the Jewish man of Rimini made this deal with the great Saint Anthony Padua. So one day passes, two day passes, three day passes, in which the mule is made to fast. And the people were aware of this this deal between Anthony and the and the Jewish man, Arimini. Third day arrives. They bring the mule in front of the pile of hay on his left and the blessed sacrament on his right. The mule of the donkey comes in and he looks at the pile of hay. Don't forget he's fasting for three days. And mules eat hay. He ignores it. Then he looks at the Blessed Sacrament and the mule bows down. He genuflects. He bow, the mule bows down in front of the Blessed Sacrament. This was a public scene that many people saw. As a result of this, the Jewish man studied Catholicism more thoroughly. So, as a result of that, he entered into the Catholic faith. And not only that, but the big group of Jewish people The big group of Jewish people that lived in Rimini, it was like a domino effect. It was like a domino effect and once he was converted, the domino effect, the whole cohort or group of Jewish people that were in Rimini, they were converted. We call that the domino effect of conversion. I love that story. My Mass on Sunday prayed that most Catholics do not have the same faith that the donkey had. Because most Catholics in our country don't even go to Mass on Sunday. Probably a good 80%. I was praying that we would have even we would have the same faith as the donkey did related to the blessed sacrament. And I honestly believe, my friends, that the principal reason why 
people leave the Catholic faith. The principal reason why people leave the Catholic faith is that story of the donkey, the hay, the Blessed Sacrament, and St. Anthony. The basic reason why people leave the Catholic faith is because I would say a poor catechesis in the past 55 years. Since Vatican II, much of the catechesis has been ad experimentum, basically experience, to experience, experiment. And catechesis, instead of being based on truth, it's based more on feelings. The Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, who I mentioned very often, said that in the 13th century, during the time of St. Anthony, it was the age of faith. In the 18th century, the Enlightenment it was the age of reason. And Fulton Sheen would go on to say in the 20th and the 21st century, we live in the age of feelings. The age of feelings. Isn't that wokeism? Isn't that the whole platform of wokeism? Whatever, whatever feels good, whatever feels good to you, go and do it. And let no one prevent me for do, from doing what I feel like doing. So the saints are very applicable to what is going on today. But I maintain that one of the principal reasons why people leave the Catholic faith is that they've never been properly catechized as to what the Mass and the Eucharist is. They've not been properly catechized, catechized, taught what the Mass is, what the Eucharist is. For that reason, the bishops have called a three-year period of time in which we're called to promote knowledge and love of the Eucharist. So maybe we can learn from this story of St. Anthony of Padua, <clears throat> this story that I've recounted of the mule or the donkey showing reverence to the Blessed Sacrament, and this Jewish man converted, as well as all of his companions, that we would grow stronger in our belief in the Eucharist as a segue to what we celebrated on Sunday, which is the feast day of Corpus Christi. And hopefully the Gospel today Related to the great Saint Anthony, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that 
We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. St. Anthony, indeed, was the salt of the earth. He was the light of the world in the 1200s. You are called to be the salt of the earth and you are called to be the light of the world like St. Anthony. What are the properties of salt? Jesus says if the salt loses its flavor, it's useless only to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt, with respect to food, it it gives flavor and it also preserves from corruption. We are called to give flavor to the world. That flavor is Christ. As St. Paul says, Jesus was always a yes, yes, never no. We're called to live holy lives, to preserve our world, our country, our church, our family from the corruption that comes from sin. And then the light. You're called to be the salt of the earth. You're also called to be the light of the world. So all of us, Mary Jo, Valerie, Julie, Beverly, all of you, all of you, let's let's take the cue from St. Anthony of Padua, this great St. Anthony of Padua. And try to be a light in a world filled with so much darkness. Let's pray that we become salt in a world that's filled with so much pollution and corruption. And I thank all of you for sharing my talks. Let's try to be a light and to share our our conversations with many people. Many people don't know the truth because they've never been exposed to the truth. Let's expose many people to the truth. And the truth will set us free. You know, when St. Anthony died, he was canonized within one year. It was one of the quickest canonizations in the history of the Catholic Church. And that you're aware of this, if you ever have the chance to go to Padua, Italy, where St. Anthony is buried, where we spent a good period of time preaching and attracting multitudes, perhaps you've heard of the book The Incorruptibles by Joan Carroll. The Incorruptibles by Joan Carroll is a series of chapters on saints. Saints who have not undergone corruption like Padre Pio. 
like Jacinto. But in the case of St. Anthony, his tongue, his tongue is incorrupt. And the reason is because he's known as the hammer of heretics pounding away at the errors of the day. The hammer of heretics. That he preached so eloquently that his tongue, after 800 years, is still incorrupt. My friends, let's pray that we would be the light of the world and the salt of the earth in imitation of the great preacher, St. Anthony of Padua. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.